Lord, thank you for this day, God. Thank you for bringing all of us here um, safely. Thank you just for, for what you're doing um, with the ministry in, in Kenya, God. And I just pray that you would continue to um, reveal to, to Jeremy and Dan and Kara, God, exactly how you have us partnering uh, with us there. Thank you for the work that you've already done there through, through Petroba um, and, and the other folks that he's working with down there, God, and just the lives that are being impacted for you and for your kingdom, God. I just pray that you would continue that work and just thank you for allowing us to be uh, a part of that, whether that's a small part or a large part, whatever that looks like, God, I pray that you would just make that clear, Lord, and just thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to minister alongside of them, God. And for this morning, Lord, um, we also pray for the folks that are, are in Ukraine and just what's going on there, God. I pray that your hand would be would be there, Lord, and, and we know that that you're working things in this world for good, no matter how awful and terrible they, they seem, God. We know that your hand is at work, God, and I just pray that you would somehow use everything that's happening in the world, Lord, for, for your good, to turn hearts to you, to hurt, turn hearts that may have wandered from you back to you, God, and we just, we know based on everything that you've done, Lord, that you're faithful, God, and we trust your faithfulness, and just, we just leave it to you, God, and I just pray for this morning, Lord, that, um, that you would point out ways in, in which you want to change our hearts, God. And uh, for, for any of those that may be here, Lord, that, that don't know you personally, God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So if you were here last week, and I was only in the first service, so I'm assuming he said this in both services, but Jeremy talked about how he, when he, he asked me, hey, Nate, I want you to, 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 to teach on, on Sunday when I'm going to be gone in Africa. And he described my reaction as like, and that may have been what was going on on the, on the outside. On the inside, I was just like, no, nope, I'm not, I'm, nope, that's not going to happen. And so when I went home, I talked to Kylie about it and my wife, and I was like, yeah, so Jeremy wants me to do this. Like, that's pretty funny, right? And she's like, yeah, you should do it. I'm like, no, no, that's, you're being ridiculous. And I'm like, I'll, I'll pray about it. Like, that's, that's extent. I'll pray about it reluctantly. And then when I prayed about it, then I was like, all right, I ought to talk to Jeremy about this, about whether this is going to happen or not. And when I talked to Jeremy about it, he was like, oh, yeah, I really think you should do it, and it could be this or that. What are you thinking about? I'm like, oh, I'm thinking about this. And he's like, oh, that'd be awesome. That's great. Do that. And so I left, and I was like, all right, well, this really seems like something I ought to do. And I know the whole Jonah thing didn't really work out, so I probably ought to just do it. So, so here I am. Um, but this is going to be topical today. We're not going to be um, in Matthew. Jeremy said he wanted to finish out the last week of Jesus's life. So we're going to leave that to him. Um, so we're going to be in Philippians 4. So if you guys want to go ahead and turn there, that's going to be where we are, where we're going to be primarily this morning. And so to give a little bit of context to this particular passage. So in, in my undergrad, I got a Bible minor. And I didn't really pay as much attention to the classes as I really should have and wish I would have now. But the one thing that I got from the classes was, when you see the word therefore, you have to look for what is the therefore, therefore. So going back a little bit to chapter 3, that's the first word, by the way, in chapter 4. So going a little bit back to chapter 3, some of the major themes um, that Paul is talking about here in the letter to the church at Philippi is citizenship in heaven, uh, eagerly awaiting the return of our Savior Jesus, and receiving our new transformed and resurrected bodies. Those are some of the major themes from from chapter 3. And so chapter 4 now, he's saying, therefore, all these things. So we're going to start in in verse 2. So Philippians chapter 4, verse 2, and we're going to read verse 2 and verse 3. So it says, I implore Iodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind of the Lord, 
And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. So we see these, these two women here, and I will tell you quite honestly, I spent about an hour of my studying time just trying to learn how to pronounce those two names. <laughs> and so, so I, did all, I watched all these YouTube videos and trying to figure out how to pronounce them properly, and then I spoke on the phone with Jeremy on Wednesday. And we were going through it like, oh, this is what I want to talk about, and this is what the Lord's laid on my heart. And he's like, oh, that's great. Just one quick thing. Those, you're not pronouncing those names quite right. Not a big deal, but like you're not pronouncing them quite right. And I was like, great, an hour of my life just gone, <laughs> never to be recovered. So I, that's the best I can do based on what I studied and what Jeremy told me is Eodia and, and Syntyche. So, but these two women, and, and this isn't the main point of, of the teaching this morning, um, the pronunciation of the names, or this particular aspect, but it's cool to see um, just how women are referred to in, in scripture, because in this culture, in this day and age and, and culture, women were not even, they, they, they weren't, uh, their, their testimony wasn't admissible in court, in a court of law. So if you could, can, I mean, thinking back to imagine a situation where uh, a woman witnesses a crime that happens, and she, maybe she's the only witness, and the, the person can't even be charged with it because it was a woman that witnessed it. They're on the stand, and a woman has, hey, I saw this, this is what happened, doesn't matter. You're, they, their, their word was not viewed as, as having any weight at all. And so given that context, isn't it cool to see the fact that, one, Jesus, when he, when he rose from the dead, who are the, the people that he sent first, that he appeared to first and then sent to spread the word that he had rose from the dead? Women. And then in this right here, we see Paul talking about these women, and he's talking about a quarrel, that quarrel that they're having, but he's also talking about how they're, they're, they've labored with him in the gospel. Their names are lit, written in the Lamb's book of life. And just to see that God doesn't care about culture. <laughs> he really doesn't. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, regardless of what the culture is, regardless of, of, of what our culture might say or, or, or what's popular right now. God is the same regardless of it, um, and he values every soul um, regardless of, of, of any circumstance or aspect of them. So, um, so I thought that was pretty cool. But moving on here to, to, to verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Talking about rejoicing. So this is a major theme throughout this book, the book of, uh, of Philippians, of Paul's letter to the, to the church at Philippi, is rejoicing. And so when I, when I saw this and, and I, I immediately thought of, this is something that I think many Christians, myself included, especially those of us that may have been believers for, for a handful of years, can, can struggle with a little bit, is rejoicing in the Lord. And so I wanted to get into a little bit of, all right, what is rejoicing? What is rejoicing in the Bible? And like I said, it's a major, major theme here. It's also a major theme in, in the Psalms. It's the, the word rejoice shows up in at least 23 different Psalms. And so what what does it mean and, and, and why is it important? And is it, is it important? And it, it, what it really is, is it's, a, it's the verb form of joy. It's joy in action. And so we, we see it mostly uh, in praising and worshiping, worshiping the Lord, manifesting itself in, in praise and worship of the Lord and recognizing who God is. And so, so it's joy in action, often in these ways. So what is biblical joy? What is joy in scripture. So let's let's look at that here briefly as well. So we're going to turn to James 1 chapter 1 verses 2 and 3. So it says, "My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, 
knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So count it all joy when you fall into various trials. That doesn't seem to match up with, <laughs> with the way that we typically think, right? And, and this type of joy, we see it throughout Scripture in many different ways, and this type of joy is, does not come from our own human ability at all. It comes from the Lord. It can only come from the Lord. And Paul is writing this. It's important to get context of, of, how, of Paul's state of mind as he's writing this. He's writing this to the church of Philippi. When he was in Philippi, he was beaten with rods, and he was arrested, and that was, his, that was his visit to Philippi before, before, this, before this letter. And while he's writing this letter, he's in Roman captivity. So this is someone who's going through trials right now as he's writing this to these people saying, hey, you guys need to rejoice. And later on or in this, in this book, and, and, and Paul mentions it a couple times, is he, he tells us to imitate me as I imitate Christ. And that's not because Paul's perfect, but that's because Paul is saying, look, follow me as I'm following Christ. And so Paul is living out this rejoicing despite the, the trials that he's going through. And it reminded me a little bit of, as I was, as I was studying and going through it, it reminded me of, of a brother in the Lord um, that I have. And, and he dealt with, many years in, in his younger days, he dealt with alcoholism for many years. And he, most of the time, and, and, and this, I don't know, that I don't have an exact statistic, but most of the time, when you're in recovery from alcoholism, it takes multiple times. Typically, you're, you're in recovery, and, and you fall. And then you go up back into recovery, and, and it's, it's a really challenging battle. It really is. And he was the, the, this was his first time in recovery, and he was in, in AA. And if, if you know anything about AA, you've got a 12-step 12 12 program. And he was in on step three, which is a higher power, recognizing that there's a higher power. And he had been wrestling with that a little bit, and he just said in a meeting, yeah, this whole higher power stuff, I don't think it's, I don't think it's for me. He wasn't a believer at the time, and just said, I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move past this. I don't think this step is, is for me. And before he left that evening at the, at the meeting, a woman came up to him and said, look, you really need to, you really need to consider this tonight. Otherwise, you're, you're going you're to drink again. You're going to fall. And he took that to heart, so he went home, and he ended up falling on his knees and accepting Christ, which is an amazing testimony in and of itself, right? And even later on that night, I'm not going to go into too many details, but he had an encounter, and he absolutely knows for a fact he would have turned back to drinking if it hadn't been for, uh, for salvation and, and God rescuing him that, that same night. And so here's a brother who dealt with alcoholism for, for years and is now dealing with the, the physical effects, the health effects that, ha- that occurred because of, uh, because of part of that. And so he's gone through that trial. He's still going through trials because of it. Yet he has joy because now he can help people who are going through the same type of things. And in he is actively, which is, which is amazing. But that testimony right there is just another example of the fact that God's using things in our lives for his glory. Even if it's not something that we view as good at the moment, obviously that's not a good thing um, dealing with that. But God can use really, really hard things in our lives for his glory. And so we can trust him and have joy amidst those circumstances knowing, circumstances knowing that his plan is, is much greater than ours. And so, again, this is this joy, that, this joy that's described in the Bible. It's not a don't worry, be happy type of, type of message. It's not a just smile through the pain. You'll be fine. It's okay. It'll pass. That's not really what it is. It's confidence, patience, and contentment in the Lord, knowing that his plan is greater than ours. And joy is extremely important. So we, we know from the, the, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians is joy is number two. Love is number one. And we know 
Jesus talks about love a lot and says the most important commandment is loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. And then number two on this list of fruits of the Spirit is joy. So let's look at at verse 5. Paul says, Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. And this, I'm not even going to even try to pronounce this Greek word. I have no idea. But this, the Greek word that's used here to, that's translated to gentleness is referred throughout scripture as different things. It's referred to as moderation. It's referred to as patience. And as, along with uh, gentleness throughout scripture. And it really refers to a heart position. It's a discipline, but it's also really just a heart position. And it, it's a heart that trusts God and allows the Lord to fight your battles. It's knowing that this thing that's happening right now, unless it's truly salvific, unless it's truly relating to somebody's salvation, it's, it's, it's okay. God's got it. And again, it's, if it's not salvation, it's, it's okay. And let's go to verse 6 now. So it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This particular verse I wrestled with a little bit because, and, and many of us I know are dealing with it as well, anxiety, whether it's a, a disorder, a diagnosed disorder, or just something that, that somebody struggles with, myself included, it, it is an epidemic. We have the highest rate, rate of people who say they have anxiety than we've ever had in recordable human history that we know of, that we can that we can put in a statistic. And so when I first read this, this particular part of the passage, I'm like, don't be anxious. Okay, well, that's not a commandment, right? That's more of an encouragement, right? Because we need to encourage people to have anxiety. And that's true. It's not that that's untrue. But the more I studied it, the more I'm like, that's oh, a commandment. Okay, all right. Well, I don't really like that. I want it to be an encouragement, right? And so I'm like, all right, what, why is a commandment? What, what, why is it a commandment? What is this exactly saying? And it's not a commandment to shame those who have anxiety. Not at all. Far from it. But it's a commandment to, to let go of it and give it to God. Right? It talks about instead of, instead of hanging on to your anxiety, everything, prayer and supplication with, thanks, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And... It, it took me to a place where I was looking into, all right, what is, is, is anxiety a sin? Is worrying a sin? And the act of worry or the feeling of worry or anxiety is, is not necessarily a sin, but it's sitting in that and not giving it to God is when it becomes a sin. It's us choosing that anxiety, that feeling, that worry over giving it to God in prayer. And so Paul clearly lays out, this is, this is what you do with anxiety. You give it to the Lord. And so I want to I go to um, a passage here in Matthew. This is in Matthew 6. So we, we talked about it like five or six years ago <laughs> at this point. <laughs> um, no, it wasn't that long ago. But we're, we're in Matthew 6, uh, verse 26 through 34. I'll give you guys a, a moment to turn there. So here Jesus is speaking and he says, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. 
And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So when I was when I was reading this as well, and and it's uh, it's on the same vein as joy, right? Because what's the, what's a, a, one of the biggest steel uh, thieves of joy, and that's anxiousness and worry, right? And it reminded me of of Mary Willis, and just her joy and how infectious her joy really was. She was always ready and eager to share the joy of the Lord with those around her. And when we've met those people, man, it just, it is infectious. And you see something different, like, wow, all right, something, something's different about you. There's something unique about you. God's clearly gripped your heart and is very present in, in your life and in your heart to be able to experience that joy and, and not be concerned with, uh, and, not, and not be as concerned or basically be laying your anxiousness on the Lord. So let's look now back to, back to Philippians at verse 7. So I'm actually going to read verse 6 and 7 again to go back over verse 6. So it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind and minds through Christ Jesus. We can't skip through these disciplines and just go straight to peace. We'd like to. But we can't. When I, the, basically, God laying on my heart wanting to talk about this, this passage specifically and, and, and this word specifically this morning is every night before bed, Kylie and I pray over, over Posey. She's almost, almost seven months, right? Almost seven months. So we, we have this amazing privilege of being able to, to, to pray over her every night. And this particular evening, um, Kylie was out. So it was, just, it was just me and Posey. And I was putting her down to bed and praying over her. And then the prayer morphed from praying over Posey to just a general prayer. And I can't recall exactly what, what I was feeling unrest about, but I, but I asked God for peace. And immediately a question popped into my mind of... Why am I praying for peace? Am I praying for peace just for me? Am I praying for peace just so that I can feel restful, so that I can be happy, so that things will just be easier the next day, or I can sleep well, or whatever? Am I, am I praying for peace for that? Because if I am, I'm really robbing myself from the, pe- the, the peace of God that he promises us. And the question was, am I, am I robbing myself of this just for momentary rest? Um, and if so, Why? So how do we experience God's peace? And we can see Paul has shown us throughout this, throughout this passage, right? Rejoicing in the Lord, having joy in the Lord, praising and worshiping the Lord, letting your gentleness be known to all men, having patience and living in moderation. And again, that's a heart position, right? As well as not being anxious, casting your cares upon the Lord, casting your anxiety upon the Lord. And again, these are all disciplines. We can practice this. Just like we can practice anything. If, if, if you're dealing with lying, you can think, all right, if I'm about to, if I'm about to lie, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to capture that in my mind, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to consciously think, all right, 
I need to own up and tell the truth. And we can practice becoming better at being honest and so forth. And we can practice becoming better at all these things. But at the root of these things, they're a heart position. And our heart position, we can try to make it change as much as we want, but our heart position is truly changed by the Lord. And so bringing these things before the Lord and asking God for, to, to improve in these disciplines and these practices and allowing that to be, be a change of our heart position. And each of these things comes from knowing the Lord, right? From believing and having confidence in his promises and his plan for our lives. If we know who the Lord is, we, have, we can have confidence that he'll say what he says he'll do. And we should have joy, patience, and be rooted in prayer, knowing that the promise as a result is peace that surpasses all understanding. And the cool thing is that God welcomes questions. I was asking God questions all throughout studying for this. And if we have things in our lives that are keeping us from either these disciplines or keeping us from the peace of the Lord, he welcomes us asking him questions, sharing our doubts with him. He wants to deal with those things and he welcomes those things. He's not a God that doesn't want you to ask him questions. He's not a God that wants you to just toe the line and do what he says with, you know, don't, don't speak, don't look up, just look down and follow this. He wants you to be fully invested in the plan that he has for your life. And something that I thought about as well as it relates to just saying, just anxiety and peace in general is Jesus was distraught. And we're gonna, what we're going to see here soon in Matthew is Jesus prayed to, to the Father before the, the, the night before he was set to uh, be crucified. He asked, God, if, if it be your will, remove this cup of suffering from me. He, he was distraught about what was going to happen to him. And it, as we know, it was the will of God. And God gave him peace. He had peace going into it. But even Jesus was distraught, but what did he do? He immediately brought it to the Lord. He immediately prayed about it and said, God, if this is your will, give me peace about this. So as Paul begins to finish up his letter to the the church at Philippi here in verse 8, so we're going to read verse 8 and verse 9. He says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, Whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the peace of God will be with you. So we see, we see the, or the, sorry, the God of peace will be with you. So we see the peace of God will be with you, and now we see the God of peace will be with you. And we, we know... Right now, the world is a messed up place. We've been dealing with COVID for a couple of years now. We have everything that's going on in, in Ukraine and questions now about what's, what's happening with the world. Where do we go from here and, and where's the world headed? And even in our own individual lives, we're all dealing with all these things that can provide unrest, that can steal peace away from us. But thankfully, we have a God who wants to hear about these things, who welcomes us laying all of our problems, whether they're big or small. In our, in our prayer this morning, one thing that, that Jess mentioned was God wants our, all of our little stuff too, not just our big stuff, but all of our little stuff. And he cares, just as we talked about in, in, in Matthew 6, he, he cares for us. He cares for the little things and the big things, and we can lay all of them at his feet. So when Paul lays out these disciplines and these heart positions, it's not a magic equation of like a little bit of this and a little bit of that equals that. It reminds me of like 
when I was thinking about it, it reminded me of, of an arithmetic equation from like grade school, right? When you have all this stuff that's on the left side of the equation, then you've got the equal sign, and then you have like the question mark, like, all right, what does that equal? No matter what we put in the left side of that equation, peace, there's, there's, not, a, there's not an exact equation to put together over here that it equals peace, apart from the Lord. People have been searching for, for peace apart from the Lord for forever, for thousands of years, but there isn't an exact, exact equation. Otherwise, it would be out there, right? We'd know, all right, a dash of this and a little bit of that, and boom, you've got peace. But that doesn't, that doesn't exist, right? There are theories and thoughts of, of how, but you, and it's also a cheapened version of peace, right? It's that rest that we talked about. It's not the peace of God. But Paul lays out here, these are disciplines. These are heart positions. This, these are different things you can do, and the promise of the peace of God will be upon you if we do this in the Lord, so, just because you're, but just because you're a believer doesn't mean you necessarily have it. I know I go through periods where I'm feeling peace and other periods where I'm not. And clearly, as we go back to the two women that we started off with, Iodia and Syntyche, they clearly weren't in a, in, a, in, a, in a place of peace in their own hearts because they're quarreling about something that's probably not the most important thing in the world. And so these are two believers. Their names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life that they weren't at full peace. And so Paul is encouraging us here and encouraged them, guys, throw this stuff away. Get rid of it. Let it, let it go. Give it to God um, and experience the, the peace that he has promised us. And so if there are any of those of us this morning that, that aren't believers, that may have come this morning, that they haven't given their lives to Christ, and there, there, again, there isn't a specific equation or a, these specific steps to follow apart from the Lord where you can experience this peace. And I know, as a human being, <laughs> we all desire to have peace. And so I would welcome anybody who, um, who doesn't know the Lord. We're going to have people up here um, to pray with you um, that, that you would take today as the day to submit to the Lord and allow him to change your life, allow him to change your heart position um, and, and point it directly to the Lord. Um, and he does promise us peace through these, through these different uh, disciplines and practices. So again, we'll have people up here um, to, to pray with you and to encourage you. And if you are a believer and, and, and anxiety is something that you're struggling with or a lack of peace is something that you're struggling with or just taking things to the Lord in prayer is something that you're struggling with, um, Again, we're going to have people up here to, to pray with you about it. Um, and, and God desires that closeness. He's calling that closeness from you. And so this morning, I, I, my, my uh, exhort, exhortation is, is to, uh, to follow the Lord's call in this and to step out and to, uh, to receive prayer about it. So let's pray. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Great Bay Calvary Church in Dover, New Hampshire. We're so glad you found us. If you want to learn more about our services or need prayer for something going on in your life, come connect with us at greatbaycalvary.com.